Hello everyone, and welcome to No Pollution of Cowardice, South Jersey in the Civil War. I am your host, Dan Casella, and in this episode, on the 160th anniversary of the Battle of Williamsburg, which was fought May 5th, 1862, I'm going to read to you an account which resides in the Lawrence Township Historical Society from an unknown member of the 5th New Jersey Volunteers. Although the source is unknown of this article, and the author is also unknown of it is pretty clear that this school is written by an unknown member of the 5th New Jersey Volunteers and is most likely an officer, given the amount of details given in the account. This is a full-long account of the 5th's actions that day, better than I feel Alfred Bellard's account in his diary, which was published into a book, Gone for a Soldier. The account will incorrectly name that General Dan Sickles is present and in command of the Excelsior Brigade, although he is not. This account also contains graphic descriptions of some of the fighting, and also what some Confederate soldiers will do to wounded Union soldiers, events that will be noted well into the night of the 5th and into the morning of the 6th. So without further ado, I'll read to you The Battle of Williamsburg, New Jersey Troops in the Fight. General Frank Patterson was assigned to the command of the 2nd New Jersey Brigade in General Hooker's division, and was ordered to advance from Yorktown, which he did, starting at 2 o'clock p.m., Sunday, May 4th. The brigade marched until 11 o'clock that night over and through the most horrible roads, corduroy roads, with the timbers buried in the mud or about half afloat in the marsh water, and then they lay down in the swamp about one mile beyond the old brick church. Two o'clock in the morning it commenced raining heavily, and at five the reveille was sounded, and the army put into motion the following order. First, a squadron of General Emery's cavalry. Next, two companies of the 5th New Jersey. Then a section of Captain Bramhall's artillery. Followed by the balance of the 5th New Jersey and the remainder of the cavalry, the two other brigades of Hooker's division bringing up the rear. General Smith was supposed to have passed our advance during the night, and in the morning, as we neared the rebel works, the troops seen in their front were believed to be our own but our men were speedily informed otherwise by fierce discharge of shot and shell full into our ranks as we moved along the Williamsburg Road. The brigade was immediately deployed to the right and left, back of the timber which of the rebels had fallen in every direction. The 5th New Jersey and the artillery to the right, and the 6th, 7th, and 8th New Jersey to the left. These latter regiments marched three-quarters of a mile and formed in line of battle to meet the enemy, who were trying to turn our left flank. This was about 10 a.m., the rain falling in torrents, and the men being half-leg deep in the mire and water. Skirmishers were thrown forward, but they were driven back quickly by the rapid fire of the enemy, who proved to be not more than 300 yards distant, with his line formed along a ditch some three feet in depth. Whooping and howling like demons incarnate, they rushed after our skirmishers in mass. The dense undergrowth prevented our troops from seeing them fairly until they approached within pistol-shot of our lines. Then volley after volley was poured into their ranks with terrible effect, while our own ranks suffered heavily. From 10 a.m. until 1 p.m., the fight continued unabated. Now they would force the gallant Jersey boys back, and as surely would their valor hurl the rebels, bleeding and shattered, back to their ditch and bushes. There was no opportunity here for the bayonet, the ground being covered with thick interlacing bushes and fallen trees. Near one o'clock, the rebels rushed forward in overwhelming force, discharging a terrific volley upon the whole line. Colonel Von Wheeler of the 6th New Jersey and his adjutant Wilkes were killed, and a number of other officers either killed or wounded. When General Freeze left on Tuesday, 
it was estimated that quite one-third this regiment present in action were killed or wounded. Lieutenant Colonel Carmen of the 7th was struck by a ball in the wrist, which shattered his arm and came out at the elbow. One company in this regiment went into battle with but 40 men. Of these, eight were killed and 17 wounded. The fight now changed more to the left, the enemy still attempting to outflank us. Pushing up to within 50 yards, they delivered a very destructive fire, which killed and wounded a great many of our men. General Frank Patterson's horse was shot from under him, but mounting another, he rode up and down the front, cheering his men, and heedless to the leaden tempest that flew around him. General Freeze's aide was slightly wounded and had his horse shot from under him. In the fall, he suffered a severe injury that has disabled him almost entirely. He managed, however, to get word to General Hooker concerning their condition, which at this moment was very critical. One hundred rounds of ammunition were expended, and our men were doggedly striving to beat back their foe, who had driven them almost to the road. The drenching rain had rusted the muskets to a large extent, and the men were seen punching the cartridges down by driving their ramrods against the trees. The men were exhausted, having had nothing to eat save a cracker or two, which they carried in their pockets from Sunday at 2 p.m. up to this time, nor did they have food until after nightfall on Monday. They made a long march, and then would find but little comfort when they halted to rest in the swamp. Yet these brave fellows heroically contested the field with an enemy superior in numbers and held them in check until about one o'clock, when General Sickles brought his brigade into action and relieved the wearied and battle-begrimmed New Jerseyans. The regiment were not much more than half full when the fight began, many of the men being in hospitals or left exhausted by the wayside, utterly unable to move. Major Rareson of the 8th took command when J Colonel Johnson was wounded, but fell quickly after, pierced by three bullets. His body was found next morning, stripped of everything, his head crushed with the butt of a musket after death. Captain Brown was shot through the cheeks. Lieutenant C.K. Hall, son of Reverend Dr. Hall of Trenton, had a bullet through his coat collar, making a narrow escape. Lieutenant Lelier was killed, Lieutenant Angle severely wounded. Lieutenants Acton and Dougherty wounded severely. The second lieutenant of Captain Hopper's company was shot through the breast and cannot live. Colonel Starr of the 5th New Jersey was slightly wounded. Details were made on Tuesday to bury the dead, and in the ditch and upon its banks where the rebels made their stand. Their dead was piled up in places three deep. Many of the Jersey boys thought that they had found that, quote, last ditch, which is the burden of the southern traders and heart fires. It is believed that the rebels had 600 or 700 killed, and three times the number wounded. During Monday, they played the old game of friends, white flags, and the stars and stripes upon our troops, and succeeded in deceiving them several times. Once a large body of them called out, Don't shoot! We're your friends! We're New Hampshire boys! And when under this lie, they were permitted to approach us, they suddenly leveled their pieces and threw a murderous fire into our ranks. It was estimated that the loss of the New Jersey Brigade would amount to nearly one-third of the number actually engaged, although official information may reduce it. The officers and men, without exception, behaved admirably under the hottest fire. Many of our men were found dead with bayonet and bowie knife thrusts, who had only been wounded by bullets in the legs or arms, showing that they inhumanely murdered our living, but helpless men. 
New Jersey may well be proud of her sons in this battle. Men never stood up more bravely to their work. The conflict at Williamsburg proves that the Jersey Blues of our day are worthy descendants of the heroes who made her name and soil sacred for all time in the dark hours of the Revolution. All accounts, public and private, speak highly of the conduct of the New Jersey Brigade at Williamsburg. One private letter, which we have seen, says, quote, The New Jersey troops fought like bulldogs. The following is an extract of a letter from Captain Charles M. Provost of this city to a member of his family dated near Williamsburg, Virginia, the morning after the battle. It reads, Field of Battle, Tuesday morning. Quote, We have had a bloody battle yesterday. Our brigade bore the brunt of the fight for four or five hours and have had many killed and wounded. We were driven back three times. At the last, being overwhelmed by numbers, we were unable to hold our ground and retreated. The day was at first against us, but as soon as more of our forces were able to struggle up through the heavy rains and mud, the tide of battle was turned, and this morning the enemy are in full retreat. General Frank Patterson, who commanded, behaved splendidly, and I want you to send word to his father that, although his horse was shot out from under him, he is unhurt. The rebels evacuated their works, not even taking time to spike their guns. The Battle of Williamsburg was fought in a torrential rainstorm for most of the day and would claim over 3,500 casualties, a number which would seem insignificant compared to later battles such as the Seven Days, Second Manassas, Antietam, the big fights. Williamsburg is often overlooked because it is the first and is, by both armies, left in the dust, chased to Richmond. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of No Pollution of Cowardice. Uh, if you really like what you're listening to, uh, a like, a subscribe, a download really helps with the uh, analytics of this and gets the, and shows me where people are listening to this. I know I've got some listeners in Europe, which I think is really cool, Belgium and, and Germany. Uh, I know I have a listener in England, too. That's really awesome. Thank you so much. And everyone else across the country who's tuning in and downloading, I, I really appreciate it. It's really cool to see, uh, you know, to see this work get out. Find us on Facebook, No Pollution of Cowardice, South Jersey in the Civil War. There is where I get out the episodes themselves and just interact with people who, you know, are on the page and whatnot. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you stick around for some more. There will be some more Williamsburg episodes. I have a couple left in the box here before I move on to something else. Thank you one last time for listening. Hope you tune in for the next one. Cheers. <laughs>